Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Man on the Post Weekend Review. My name's Chris and joining me this week, I've got Ali. Good evening, how are we doing? Uh, not too bad. And Dave? Hello, hello. Right. Uh, I say not too bad, I'm actually dying of man flu, but, you know, we'll get on with it. Um, so, yeah, you might not hear much from me today. Uh, I might let the boys just do all the talking, which is probably an improvement for most people. Uh, <laughs> so, the Premier League... Um, Getting to the nitty gritty, basically, at the end of the season. Um, you wouldn't know it by looking at some of the some of the games that we've seen. Uh, I suppose it doesn't help that most of the uh, you know the bottom of the table things have already been uh, decided and stuff like that. Uh, we'll start off with Friday night football for the second week running. We've had that. Uh, Dave, Newcastle winning one nil away to Leicester. Pretty decent game from what I saw of it. Ah, oh, this was uh, pretty much as good as it gets for us. I think this is the. Perfect away performance. It's uh, what we've been close to on a few occasions this season, but this was from start to finish exactly how we, or how Rafa wants to set us up away from home uh, with the right result at the end of it. So, very nice start the weekend. Yeah, so against the Leicester team that had won, what, their last four, I think it was, as we said last week. They were, you know, they, they looked quite solid and, you know, it's not like they played badly from, you know, I, I, I saw most of the game, but I was uh, recording the Extra Time podcast at the time. I made sure they weren't allowed to talk about this game. Um, <laughs> stacked our flag in the ground, um, but yeah, it looked like a good performance from both teams. And I say, uh, Ayosi Perez, I believe it was, who popped up with a winner. Yeah, it was a good header. Um, he scores a lot of headers for the guy who's not particularly big, but he's good at getting in front of the defender. And it was Wes Morgan, so he, you know, was always going to be quick at the ball. Um, and he just sort of glanced it across the keeper, but uh, he was on fire all night. To be fair, Perez, he was. Uh, Taking the ball in very difficult situations and more often not coming out with it. Yeah. They see Newcastle safe now, do you reckon? Oh yeah, yeah, we're fine now. Um, would have been a slight question mark had Cardiff managed to win uh, against Burnley, but uh, as we'll come on to, they, they didn't. And the situation now is that they need to win four of the remaining five games to, mm-hmm. to, to overhaul us, which they've only won eight all season. I can't see them win four from five. Uh, Rondon uh, had a good game as well from what I saw I saw the free kick he hit out uh, I was a bit surprised when he when he stepped up to hit it but it was a pretty decent free kick only the woodwork keeping it out yeah he's hit um, three great free kicks this season uh, he's hit the post or the bar with two of them and scored the other one uh, I didn't know he had in his locker it's kind of unfair that someone that big can also have great technical <laughs> ability as well but uh, he has just been a great signing I really hope we get him permanently but mm. He's uh, not 23, so the, yeah. the odds of actually letting us pay from are uh, slim to none. Uh, talking of great signings, uh, Shah, again, demonstrating his ability to run through uh, teams at will, it seems. Uh, had an absolutely great run uh, in the second half, I think it was. Oh, he's, he's, he's unbelievable, really. Like he, um, all right, he's, he, he has his, his, his failings, like he's a little bit slow on the turn, that kind of thing, but the ball at his feet... 
there's not many defenders better than him at carrying the ball out, and he's got a, a great ping on him as well when he wants to play at crossfield. Um, for th- for three million or whatever he cost us, it's ridiculous, really. Do you, do you think you could keep hold of him if someone comes sniffing around? Because he's obviously uh, worth a lot more than three million. Uh, I think we probably, I'd, I think we'll be all right on that front. Uh, I say he's, I don't think he's the youngest anyway. Um, uh, I say his, his defensive failings probably mean a side better than us would probably go from. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm happy to have him. He, he fits in our in our team very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jamie Vardy, uh, one big miss in the game, really. Uh, the only other thing of, of note that I remember was that uh, Leicester could have maybe had a penalty uh, with Mankilo pulling Tillman's down in the area. I mean, it was a very stupid thing to do because I don't think he was going anywhere near the ball in the first place. But uh, if it gets given against you, you'd be absolutely raging, wouldn't you? It was mm-hmm. very, very soft if, he, if that had been given. But so, so yeah, so uh, the only, yeah, I got Newcastle. Yeah, definitely looking safe now. Um, four games to go as well. Uh, Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, your next league game? No, we've got uh, Southampton at home next weekend. Then we go to Brighton. Then it's Liverpool, uh, and then we finish at Fulham. So, ah, okay. um, by the time we play Liverpool, <laughs> it might be time for Rafa to roll over. But we'll, we'll see. Under twelve team out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on to Saturday's games then. I believe the early game was at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because they're not going to call it the Nike Stadium until next season so they can count that income for f- financial fair play. Mm. Uh, Spurs uh, running out 4-0 winners over Huddersfield. Uh, this was a, a much-changed Spurs team ahead of their second leg against Man City this week and a few injuries. Obviously, Harry Kane has, uh, has broken himself, so he's looking the out for the season, although apparently Spurs have turned around and said if they make the Champions League final, he'll be back for that. Uh, so he's out for the season. Delhi Ali broke his hand, apparently, so he couldn't play, but he can play on uh, in midweek. Um, yeah, interesting game. This is obviously a Huddersfield team that are already down. Um, Wanyama getting his first goal of the season, though. I really didn't expect him to waltz around the goalkeeper. As soon as he went through, I thought he'll, he'll just twat this as hard as he can, but no, no. Off he went around Ben Hamer. Um, I know we joked last week about Ben Hamer, but like, that's another four shipped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, his, his games to goals against ratio must be the worst ever, quite possibly. Yeah, Lucas Moura scoring a hat trick uh, seemed to fill in pretty well for Harry Kane. Now, I didn't realise um, that Tottenham's record without Harry Kane isn't that bad, which obviously backs up Ali's argument that Harry Kane <laughs> is, uh, is shit. Uh, no. <laughs> No, he's not shit. He's just not good. <laughs> um, but did yeah, you, did, did you see the the pre-game stuff where um, that stupid smug Dave Jones was trying to get Jimmy Redknapp to basically say yes, Spurs are better without Harry Kane. Oh really? And Jimmy Redknapp was just like, no, they've played like twelve games without him and won seven of them or something like that. So it's more about who they've, who they've been playing in that time. Um, to be fair, you, you could have played just without Harry Kane, just play with ten, uh, and they still would have won. Like Huddersfield, obviously are relegates and never really looked like caused them any sort of trouble. Mm, yeah, I say uh, Moira. I was surprised when um, they said it in midweek uh, against Man City that Moira might be the man that who, who could fill in. Now I've always considered Moira as more of like a, a wide player, uh, kind of like you like Mo Salah kind of plays off to the uh, to the right. Um, but he, he he looked okay again. He's only Huddersfield, but he actually looked quite good um, playing through the middle. He played very well at the start of the season. Uh, I remember he was in the team when they won at Old Trafford. I think he scored maybe a couple. He certainly won. Um, 
and everyone thought this is going to be, you know, a great breakthrough season for him. And then, as is often the case, the clocks go back and the weather gets cold and you don't see them again until the spring, which is where we are now. Mm. Um, he uh, He's obviously a very talented player, but I, I guess it's hard. They made the point yesterday with, with when Kane plays, the object is to get Kane the ball and he will score, whereas without him, everyone else can have a go. Yeah. I say, Lorente came in for Kane. Um, he held... He, it looked like he held the ball up pretty well, but he, he, he's finishing. He's, he's, he's shocking, isn't it? <laughs> atrocious. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's going to say so many teams like prefer to play the one man up front, and Lorente is is never going to survive in that kind of system. Uh, maybe with Moira playing off him, you know, it, they, as I say, Moira did really well in this game, but I don't see Lorente starting against Man City in the week or next weekend, really. Do you guys? Definitely not. Well, it'll be it'll be Son again in the Champions League. Certainly, mm-hmm. um, they don't necessarily need to win that game, so it's kind of a different game plan. Um, I think they'll probably play him against the the weaker teams if they need to rotate the squad. But I didn't realize he was thirty four. Like, yeah, yeah. obviously been around a while, but I didn't know it was that that long. But he's he's all right as a stand-in. He's happy to play second fiddle to Harry Kane, which, as we've talked about before, is quite a difficult thing to recruit for. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if they do sign a striker. Look at like Vincent Janssen. Like he, he just doesn't play at all. So. Yeah, I don't think they even registered him for the Premier League for the, the last half of the season. Well, I bet they, they feel very to, silly now. Yeah, they wanted to ship him out on loan, didn't they? Uh, Huddersfield continue their uh, tradition of just not being able to score goals. They had a few chances. Um, it does seem like um, the new manager's rotating the squad to have a look at who he maybe wants to keep for next season or who he wants to ship out uh, you know Aaron Moyes in and out of the team you know he's bringing people you know back in who haven't played for a while and stuff like that um, but yeah it's still the same old story for Huddersfield uh, the only thing I wanted to mention uh, from the Spurs Huddersfield game and I saw this muted before the game so again it's not something that's just been amplified uh, by a performance against Huddersfield um, a lot of calls for Musa Sissoko to be um, credited as the most improved player of the season well, to be fair, it's quite easy to go from like a, a minus two out of ten every week <laughs> yeah. to put in, in solid five sixes. You know, I mean, Sissoko from from he came to the Premier League, he would put in you know that world class performance, and then be like an amateur football player for the next twenty five games, then put in that world class performance again. Just usually, just as somebody's looking, interested in buying or more. You know, it's live on Sky. He puts in those performances. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just was it the was it the Euros or the World Cup that everybody was like fawning over him? I think it was the Euros, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah and he's just he isn't good. I mean, if he's your answer to like a, a top midfielder in the Premier League, you really need to spend money. I say, I am uh, I am expecting to rock up at the Emirates at some sort of time because he's <laughs> that sort of player and he's just infuriating. And then has the one great game. Um, well, we we got thirty million for him, which I was delighted with at the time. Mm-hmm. So there's, um, but there's, there's the, com- the way some commentators are like, oh, oh he's, he's finally looking like he's worth his money. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I say it, it, I think I agree with what Ali says. Basically, it, it's it's okay to be improved when you are really really bad in the first place. Isn't 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 uh, a big a big uh, deal really. I mean, you know better than me, Dave. But wasn't was it you guys? He was he was average for ninety percent of the season. But when it came up against the big boys in the live on Sky games, seemed to be the game that he turned up for. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I mean, the problem is 
Pardew was his manager for most, well, that, most of his time here, and he was signed as this central midfield, box to box, and he played there the first couple of games, uh, and he ended up playing either as a number ten on the wing, um, which t- uh, doesn't really suit him, to be quite honest with you. Uh, he's not creative enough to play as a number ten. And on the wing, well, it was all right on the counter attack every now and again, but he, he wasn't really a cross of the ball, so it was um, wasn't really playing to his strengths. And obviously, you're saying at Tottenham now, he's back in that natural position, playing almost box to box, and he's looking better for it. But it's taken him three or four years to get the Pardew out of his system to get to anywhere where he is now. I like that. Get the Pardew out of his system. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so on to the rest of Saturday's games then. So Brighton uh, and Bournemouth uh, carried out the. Uh, oh, I'm not. I'm not as good as, as the other Chris. We give them these mad derby names and whatever. <laughs> but it was like the, the the on the beach derby. Brighton looking like they were definitely already on the beach in this one. Um, Bournemouth coming out five nil winners. And this is a Bournemouth team who last week we were talking about hadn't won in nine games. And you know, and Brighton played Man City last week and showed that they had some resilience to them. But they were all over the place yesterday. <laughs> Absolute shit show, wasn't it? Really, mm-hmm. like I get, I kind of get what happened. Obviously, they went two 0 down, and obviously Knockout got sent off for one of the worst tackles I've ever seen. Yeah, um, and then they just they kept throwing bodies forward and just kept conceding because for all Bournemouth's failings, they've got Wilson, King, Fraser, Brooks, which is going to tear teams apart in the counter attack, especially ten men who were just throwing bodies forward. Like that last goal, they're already four 0 down and end up being four on one. Yeah. Like how, how, I mean, what what were they hoping to achieve? Scoring four goals in injury time? It's just I, I, bad plan. I, I say, Bournemouth, for the first goal, they absolutely walked through them. It, it was, you know, Gosling just passed it into the back of the net, basically. Yeah, and that speaks volumes in itself, doesn't it? Dan Gosling's got that much time in the penalty area. Like, he's not exactly going to use in ball, is he? Like, yeah. <laughs> I so. thought you were going to say just Dan Gosling scoring there. <laughs> well, to be fair, well, that's a surprise. Yeah. Well, he's another one who's had to get the Padre out of his system, so I mean, it was only going to take a bit of time, but uh, um, Brighton uh, can't wait for the end of the season, and I think they're in a lot of bother next season. I think teams I think teams have worked out what they're all about, which is basically set pieces, and they've worked out how to play against them, and now they can't even beat the teams at home who they normally beat, so that's Southampton and, uh, and Bournemouth back-to-back. Um mm-hmm. Games that normally win against teams at the bottom half of the table, they haven't scored and they've lost them both. That's the thing. You look at results like this. Okay, it's the end of the season. Uh, Brighton are pretty much safe, but like these sorts of results, can you carry them over into next season? You know, if you're getting hammered, you know, and no disrespect to Brighton, that I don't think they're a team who are going to go out and bring in big signings to. to replenish the squad, you know, they okay. They've got a few di- uh, players that look okay for lower level Premier League football, but they're going to use Glenn. They're going to lose Glenn Murray. I imagine he's, he's like a hundred years old now, um, and stuff like that. So you know, could if they if they play like this for the last four games of the season now and get hammered five nil, I don't know who they who they've got lined up in their fixtures. But you know, does that does that then hang over into next season? And then if they start next season poorly, you know, they're in trouble. Well. I think that may well be the case, but keep saying they're safe. That they're five points ahead of Cardiff, but they play Cardiff on Tuesday. Okay, so they could get back ho- into it. And it's at home, but on this form, would you really back them to beat anybody? No, not really, because they were they were I mean, awful. But I mean, Cardiff aren't much better, admittedly. But you never know in these sorts of games. It only takes you know one scrappy goal from somewhere, uh, and that'll be it. So I mean, that could pull Brighton right into it. 
on the on, on the flip side, of course, they could win. That could be that. But you know, yeah, you you feel Cardiff and Warnock have got that wee bit more about them. With you know, they're digging deep mm-hmm. at this side of the season than Brighton. You know, Brighton have played some nice football, and that you rightly said they gave City a good go. But again, it kind of suits their style of play. Mm-hmm. You know, but Cardiff's not a team you want to go to when you're. You know, you're not much better. You know, you don't have that much quality over them. Um, I mean, their one real true quality player really is Knockout. Um, and he was just a headless chicken on, on Saturday to get himself off. It was just ridiculous. You know, when you're you're not safe. And if, if they go on a run, and even if they survive, but, they're, they're, you know, their form doesn't pick up you now at the end of the season, you, you feel that would carry on to next season as well. Hmm. Well, that's um, it. Kn- knockout's going to be banned for the next couple of games, isn't it? Oh, violent conduct could be three matches. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's one. It's one of those where six six matches wouldn't have been unfair. Like, yeah, it's yeah, really not a nice tackle. Jonathan Pierce got really angry on match of the day, didn't he? Like, no, I mean, that was like that was like someone going through uh, the house robot, wasn't it? Like, <laughs> wasn't happy with that at all. Uh, but yeah, so not looking good for Brighton in, in that regard. They didn't realise that. I thought they. I genuinely thought they were safe, but. If they play like that against against even even if they played like that against Huddersfield, I think they'd be in trouble. Uh, you know, most of Bournemouth's <laughs> goals came from the, um, Brighton giving the ball away in stupid positions as well. It, it was it was a very lapsedaisical performance. I thought it's maybe one of the most pathetic performances of the season, like from any team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even Fulham have put up more fighting in most games. You know, defendants maybe been pathetic but they've always tried to create going forward uh-huh. whereas Brighton just literally offered nothing it was a I mean to say it was a training session for Burnworth is it's an understatement it was really like watching you'd have thought they were playing a team like Man City the way they were walking through uh-huh. that's gonna say yeah Chris Hutton was 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 rightly furious at the end as well in, in his post-match interview he said it was the worst performance he'd seen in the time he'd been there as well so It'll be interesting to see how the next few weeks unfold. Uh, on to uh, FA Cup semi-finalists with a bit of a hangover, also on the South Coast. Uh, Wolves went to Southampton uh, and lost 3-1. Uh, a surprising result, do you think? Mm. I suppose over the whole of the season, but Southampton's forum since January is top-half mm. level. I mean, they were very good against Liverpool last week. Yeah, yeah last Friday. week. Um, I mean, I know the scoreline kind of flatter, kind of flattered us in a way. But Southampton played very well. First half, excellent. If we hadn't got the goal just before half time, you know they were they were the better team in the first half. And their form, and I mean, they gave they ran Man United close, um, and they've just played very well. And Wolves are just, as you say, the the FA Cup hangover. You know they're safe. I don't think they're going to make seventh. Just I think they had put too much eggs into that. Um, FA Cup basket so I just think they're, they're maybe spent now you know just trying so hard but okay. so it's not it's not a big surprise basically is what the way I feel about it just the way Southampton have been really since since Hasselhout and Taylor over really mm. you know he's been gradually getting better and better and as I say the form since January um, I'm sure they kind of averaged it I think they would be like top half of the table if you just took everybody's form from there yeah, I remember saying that table maybe last Friday actually during the coverage, but they were definitely up there. Yeah, 
if the league had started since he took over or something like that. I can't remember what the exact time frame was. Yeah, so it's really it's really interesting with this game as well because uh, I got a few friends who are Wolves fans and they were uh, speaking to them. They were saying there were periods of the game where Wolves were really in the game, so they they've been to the game obviously. And apparently there was a period where Wolves were like proper proper attacking, but then you watch match of the day and they didn't show any of it <laughs> and stuff like that. And then when I was watching match of the day this afternoon. Um, I was listening, and in the commentary, there's a bit where uh, Southampton get a corner, and they're like, oh, Southampton uh, get a corner to relieve a lot of the pressure, and stuff like that, and I'm thinking, we're well, talking about it, but you've, all, all I've seen is Southampton attacking for the whole of the highlights, so it makes you wonder like how much they've cut out. Obviously, it wasn't guilt-edged chances and stuff like that, it was just like, you know, Wolves attacking and, and going nowhere, so I imagine Traore had a lot of t- to do with it. Um <laughs> but yeah, it was really strange. Yeah, my Wolves fans were like, yeah, for, for large parts of the game, Wolves were you know were in control. They just couldn't score. Um, but yeah, uh, young young lad Sims had two guilt-head first first half chances though, uh, and he set up Redmond's um, opener after only two minutes. It was a very uh, sloppy Wolves performance though. Got to be pleased with Nathan Redmond. I think he's uh, come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, he scored twice this weekend, and he's really improved since uh, since Hughes went. Well, I mean, it's not <laughs> not really surprises, but I think uh, he'll be in and around the England squad over the summer. I would think. You reckon? Yeah, well, he's he's got one cap, I think. Um, mm, probably, yeah. And if, if and if Kane's out, he'll probably look at all available options. And Redmond's effectively playing as a, as a forward at the minute, so um, why not? Interestingly enough, uh, as highlighted on Match of the Day, it was uh, 23 years this weekend since Southampton beat Man United in the <laughs> famous grey shirt game. Uh, yeah, so, but yeah, Southampton, you know, get a good result there. Uh, the one thing to say, Patricio made a really good save um, in the second half, and um, tr- Armando, uh, it's not Armando, is it Armando? No, it's not Armando Truro, is it? It's a Dharma. A Dharma Truro, that's the one. So, considering he is a man who is known for being ridiculously fast, how slow he was to get out of his own six-yard area for <laughs> Southampton's second goal. It's absolutely ridiculous. He, he just looked completely flat-footed and, you know, played played, played Shane Long on side. That was for the third, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, he's like a fisher up tree, wouldn't he? They keep bringing him <laughs> on at, like, wing-back and stuff, and he's just not got a defensive ball in his body. So, it's all well and good letting him have the ball and run with it, but he also has to do the other side of the game when he's playing that position, and he's just not set up to do it. It's yeah. stupidity, really. Uh, we mentioned Man United. Just might as well go on to them. Then they were the late game on Saturday uh, against West Ham at Old Trafford. Uh, five changes for Man United ahead of Barcelona in midweek. Um, a game of penalties and refereeing decisions again, it seems. Uh, Paul Pogba uh, sliding away two penalties. Uh, Felipe Anderson having a goal disallowed uh, and then scoring uh, uh, just after half-time. Man United really lucky in this one. Oh, so lucky. Um West Ham can feel very hard done by living anything out of this because mm-hmm. uh, they had probably the better chances yep. and obviously the wrong disallowed goal and the second one's definitely a penalty but the first one I'm not so sure about I don't know what your thoughts on this were uh, yeah, the, the, the second one definitely the first one I'm not so sure it looked like Snodgrass was trying to block the ball didn't mm. it? and Mata just literally crumpled um, <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was really strange I, the Anderson disallowed goal I'm not sure why that was disallowed. To be fair, well, it's, I guess the lineman couldn't see the far the far fullback who was playing them on. But we've seen too many of them recently, where like there was even a couple today when the two games were on, where 
the linesman can only see what's in front of him and he can't see the far side of the field, which mm. obviously you can't see through people, but um, it's just poor, really, isn't it? Yeah, VAR would have had a field day in this game, to be fair. Um, yeah, the, the, so the second penalty was akin to the Newcastle one last week, I think, Fredericks' tackle. I think it was his first, well, I kind of say it was his first touch of the ball, because I don't think he actually touched the ball. Uh, <laughs> he just took took out Martial. Um one thing though, if I think if Solskjaer hadn't brought Rashford on, West Ham would have won this game because he came on and was a game changer. Possibly, but I guess it's with, it's better to be a lucky manager than a good one, mm-hmm. and I think Solskjaer is a very lucky manager. Yeah, um, he did. He didn't, uh, in credit, he did come out at the end of the game, so they didn't deserve to win it. Yeah, but I mean that's what this game, the Watford game. Um, how they got through in the Champions League is a, is a, is a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what happens next season because unless they make huge signings, uh, if it's if it's a similar team to what they've got now, I think his luck will run out fairly quickly. Yeah. Well, they say they're going to lose a few of those players, aren't they? Like your Matters, um, Matters, Valencia, and that. Like they're all out of contract and stuff. And then there's a, you know you, I can't imagine any manager's going to keep Ashley Young any longer than they have to uh, <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, Martial offside for the second goal as well. Another controversial decision mm, there. I see. I don't think Rush reflected on, so therefore he'd be onside from the first pass. But again, you're looking at like millimetres and fractions of whether he hit it or not yeah they were close decisions uh, De Gea making um, an unusual mistake for the fir- for West Ham's goal as well uh, just rolling the ball out to nobody um, not sure what he was doing there uh, but I've got to say Lanzini's cross was was, was absolutely fantastic um, but yeah the only, <laughs> the only other thing to note was that Phil Jones was made even uglier by Declan Rice's elbow oh, yes he uh, it was a nasty like, cut wasn't it he looked like some of a horror movie didn't he yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah, Man, Man United, yeah, again winning with without being great. It's the, the Man United story, I suppose. Um, play like that against Man City in a week or so, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, <laughs> Paul Pogba was given Man of the Match for scoring two penalties, though that were literally handed to him on a plate, which I thought was unusual. It was disgraceful because I'd go as far as to say that six or seven of West Ham's players outperformed Pogba. Yeah, I, I thought Just, Declan Rice was superb. He was excellent. Yeah, absolutely um, superb. But. Outside of the penalties, I don't think Pogba influenced the game one iota, mm-hmm. which I know is a stupid thing to say because he scored both goals, but in open play, the un- the he only- was just inept. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that he was technically doing two men's work because he was playing alongside Fred, who might as well have been in the crowd eating popcorn. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, what, what does what he is, do? Yeah. What, what is he? How much did he cost? 40 mil? 50 mil? Yeah, uh, they paid a lot for him. And he does nothing. He's literally uh. a passenger. I, I, I watched at least at least two, three occasions on, on Saturday night where the ball just rolled in front of him. Like, <laughs> if he'd have stuck a foot out, he would have got the ball. And he's just watching passes, just roll past him. Just like, yeah. And then he played it out of play. And stuff like that. Yeah, he's shocking. And then, like, uh, the, the commentator's like, oh, yeah, Fred's really settling into this Man United team now. You know, he's played three out of the last five games. I'm thinking, I don't know how. No. And then you've got, I mean, you know it's a death knell for your career when someone's saying, oh, they're really missing McTominay in that midfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to be fair, McTominay was fantastic in midfield. <laughs> to be fair, he was. He was brilliant that's against Barcelona. It's probably harsh on him, but uh, still, it's still not good for someone who costs 50 million. Yeah, I think he'll be one of the players who probably gets uh, gets looked at to, to ship out, I suppose. But it depends on whether they want their money back for him, I suppose. I've I've got to interrupt before you carry on. Yeah. Can you tell what was so brilliant about McTominay during the week? 
it just it was like a so I didn't really get into this on the extra time podcast, but I don't think either team played really well in midweek in the Man United Barcelona. Oh, I agree on that point, yeah. But so in that regard, he was the one player who didn't seem to give the ball away every five seconds because the <laughs> midfield just generally seemed to want to pass the ball to each other at times. Like there was a, there was a period where I thought Sergio Busquets had signed for Man United. He was making that many passes to their back four. Um, but yeah, I, I was just he, he looked strong on the ball at times. Um, you know, and he, he didn't shy away from tackles. And he's, he's, yes, his passing game is very simple, but in a, in an abject performance, he he was the better better of the of the midfielders. I just didn't see him perform any higher level than Jordan Henderson does when we all slate him regularly. Mm. Oh no, I understand. I say Jordan Henderson will probably come on to it in a bit, but he was fantastic against Porto apparently and I missed it. And he's been really good he was really good today. Yeah, uh, but he's natural. I just I found it strange. I mean I watched the Man United. I don't often watch games that are Liverpool involved unless we're covering them for, for this show, but I just found it strange that, that the high praise that McTominay got. Mm-hmm. Um I thought he was, you know, he was good. As you say, he was probably the the best of a bad bunch, but mainly just because he he never stopped trying. Really, he was just running and and blocking, but he wasn't really doing anything. If you know what I mean, either. Yeah. I think a lot of it. I think it does get amplified in the fact it's Man United versus Barcelona, so you instantly think high quality, and neither team were. So when he stands out in that situation, it amplifies his performance. If he'd have played that exact same game in a game where everyone else around him was on top of their game, he wouldn't have stood out, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. That, see, that's Because what I was comparing it to when people, the way that people talk about it, I don't know if you remember the Celtic-Barcelona game when Celtic beat them 2-1. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously Barcelona battered them. Uh, Victor Wanyama in that game was like head and shoulders above everyone. But he also scored and set up a goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just, I, I don't know, just, I, I actually quite like McTominay um, as a player. But I just found the, the praise rather strange. So I was just curious to hear you guys' thoughts just because you had brought it up. Yeah, I say I don't I don't by any means I don't think he's an excellent player, but he, he he stood out in a Man United Barcelona game and that's something he'll always have on his C V. I suppose. Jack Wilshire did that as well against Barcelona <laughs> for Arsenal. And... Jack Wilshire ran the new camp, mate. Yeah. Ran the new camp. Him and Ramsey were incredible. Yeah, he planted a flag uh, well, in the centre circle and was like, This it, is it, my house. You just compare the two performances again, and mm-hmm. it's yeah, just yeah. a. Uh, just yeah. could be a downer at Man United. Yeah, no, but it's true. Well, it is. A bad performance from a team will often elevate players. You know, McTominay is easily. He could be one of these players that everyone's talking about now. I think we said this last week. Uh, but then in a, in a few seasons, he's turning out for West Brom. Oh, absolutely. I don't think it'll even be as high as that. I think it'll be like a, a Lincoln or a Fleetwood or something. But yeah. Uh, on to Saturday's other games then. Uh, oh, God, Burnley versus Cardiff. Now, for Dave, this was the biggest game of the weekend. Yeah, as long as Cardiff lost, I was happy with this. But uh, I feel, I, you can hear this for saying this, I feel so bad for Warnock because they just, he just doesn't get any decisions whatsoever, does he? And then they get given a pen and they get overturned. I mean, I don't know how he's not exploded on the touchline. Do, do you think they do it on purpose, just to warn you? I, I think, I honestly think you would, you would think that, wouldn't you? Like, because that's a new level of shit, how's we? <laughs> to get, I know it's Mike Dean, but to give him the pen and then change your mind after what was it last week or two weeks ago? <laughs> hmm. Bloody, yeah, bloody yeah it's, it's not the first time it's happened. I don't, I don't, I wasn't quite sure what happened here. So Ben Mee first 
there was a, a ball to hand incident, and then there was the I don't even know I don't even know how to describe the second incident. But these were both within seconds of each other. So yes. I'm not even sure what penalty decision was given, which one was reversed, because both of them could have been given to be fair. Well, I think the one that got reversed was the one where me headed onto his own hand. Okay. Um, which, I mean, which was a, a skill probably, in itself, to be fair. Uh, it's probably the right decision to overturn it, to be honest. But mm-hmm. um, for, how many times do you see a penalty get given and then have them change their mind? Yeah. I think it did it happen to them against Huddersfield, or yeah, was it the other way around? It, no, it's twice it's happened for Cardiff. <laughs> yeah. And then, obviously, there was one at Chelsea like, the other week where they scored the most offside goal of all time. <laughs> Um, with the red card not given and so on and so forth, like it is just incredible bad luck, and it's going to cost Cardiff, you know, over a hundred million pounds fundamentally. Yeah, I say uh, there was a few penalty shots though. Gunnarsson could have claimed yeah. a penalty there. I think he went down a bit heavy. Is the, the only reason that uh, wasn't given? But uh, he, ne- he never really looked in control of what he was doing, did he? Yeah, like, but I say, is it Adams? Is it Charlie? Not Charlie Adams. Uh, what's his name? Oh. He's Charlie, easy. Charlie, Charlie Taylor. Taylor, him. that's it. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he had two goes at him, though, didn't he? He did. Yeah, that's true. And, stuff like that. and uh, they tried to claim a penalty for the uh, Tarkovsky block, but that clearly came off his knee. Ah, uh, no, <coughs> not, not that. Uh, but yeah, I say Burnley two goals from Chris Wood. Um, it was interesting though the amount of times like in the game where Cardiff's defence was completely all over the place. I think there was one. Uh, incident. Oh, I can't remember much of the detail, but there was the ball was on the left hand side of the pitch, and Burnley just played the ball out to the right hand side of the pitch, and Burnley's whole back four was in the right hand corner uh, in the left hand, <laughs> well the right hand side. So there was nobody marking on the opposite side of the pitch. Um, Dwight Mc, is it? He's Dwight McNeil, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. He looked pretty good again. I know we spoke about him last week, but you know, lively for a Burnley player. <laughs> He'll have that coached out of him soon. But no, he, he, he has looked the part since coming from nowhere, really. I think yeah. when he got in, because Burnley had Europa League commitments and the need to rotate the squad a bit, and obviously Aaron Lennon's been injured for a while, yeah. um, he's been excellent. Um, yeah. He'll be dropped when Andy Carroll signs for him next season. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Jim Carroll, Joe. <Jill. laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, and Ashley Barnes being maximum shithouse again. He got booked for kissing Bennett. Yeah, I mean, what what the, what's this all about? Like, that's it's it's weird, first time ever saying that. That's I, su- I suppose if it stops him headbutting him, which is what I thought he was going to do, I suppose it's a positive. Uh, talking about kissing players, though, what got dropped into the championship? Did, did you see what happened in the Leeds game? Yes. Is this? Is this <laughs> I, I don't know how to say his name. Aloiski or something like that. After oh, he scored, yeah. one of his teammates kissed him, and he looked like he wanted to kill him. Uh, I was livid, like, wasn't he? Yeah. I can only assume he's not just kissed him, he's like shoved his tongue in his ear or something. Yeah, uh, someone, or, someone says or they or think he leaked something. him. Yeah, because <laughs> if not, that's a very dodgy reaction. It's gonna <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leeds aren't the most popular club at the best of times um, with the general public. Um, <laughs> So to get a reaction like that with another gentleman kissing you then... Um, yeah, it, 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 I, it was really strange. I can see a statement being released <laughs> from one player to the other to clear this up. Yeah. Um, so the only thing I've got written down here for this game is say Cardiff are edging closer to relegation. Uh, you know, they are now the favourites to, to be the third team that go down. Uh, and Burnley, their form is top six since <laughs> January. That's disgusting. But... That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> they des- I mean, they deserve to stay up because, well, as you say, they've... They're not Cardiff. 
they've really turned it around. The thing about Cardiff is, I know we, we joke about Saul Bamber all the time, but since he got injured, things have been a lot worse for them, which yeah, yeah. is probably, which is pretty much their problem. Like, if, if Saul Bamber was the glue holding this operation together, then, then <laughs> yeah. no, no wonder it's collapsed, but yeah. still. Uh, yeah, uh, so on to the other relegation, well, the other relegated teams, then Fulham pulling off Quas with the shock of the weekend by beating Inform Everton 2-0. Um, although it wasn't... Did, it might just be because I'm doped up on flu tablets and stuff. Ryan Babel was man of the match in this game, but it, it seemed to be a game where not much really happened. Um, all I've got written down in my notes is that um, Harvey Elliott was on the bench at 16. If he'd have come on, he'd have been the youngest ever Premier League player. Uh, what a twat Scott Parker for not bringing him on. Yeah, like, you'd think you think they would. They were 2 0 up and they got nothing to lose. Ah, uh, how a Scott. Idiot. Yeah. Um, Tom Kearney scoring his first Premier League goal, which I was kind of surprised by, but then I remember Ranieri didn't play him for most of the season. <laughs> um, the other thing, Andre Gomez's challenge on Mitrovic. Oh, yeah, I mean, that horrible. was... Horrible. And I remember, I think it was last week or the week before, where we were talking about how he was showing both sides of his game now. When he first came in, he was that cultured passing Barcelona midfielder. And that, yeah, it was against Arsenal when he was literally a shithouse for the whole game. And then, I reckon and then he they gave a load. Of, I reckon they said, "Go away and you know research a load of great Everton midfielders <laughs> in the past, expecting to watch like Kanchelskis and people like that." And instead, he's just watched Gravison and Carsley on DVDs. <laughs> yeah, Lee Carsley. Uh, and now he's just stamping down on Mitrovic for no reason whatsoever because he fancies an early summer break because he will get a three-match ban, I imagine, when that yeah, gets looked at. Say, it was pretty nasty. Say, uh, say Mitrovic is he's like a, a double-hard bastard. Is probably the best way to put it. And he went down screaming. Um, oh. He got him good, like. Mm. Uh, Ryan Babble, though, he, he seemed to run the show. Um, I'm guessing that's a case of he's after a new club, because I can't imagine wanting to play in the Championship next he, season. Well, he's got Liverpool blood in the money, so he was always going to play well against Everton. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's shocking. Everton have been on form. You know, they've beaten us, although they didn't have to play that well to beat us, I say. Uh, beating Chelsea as well recently. And then, yeah, absolutely capitulated. Now, when I saw this result, I was watching match of that, and I was even starting to write my notes in advance. And, like, my notes were, like, Pickford. But he didn't really make a mistake in this game, unusually. I was expecting, like, Pickford howlers left, right and centre. Because um, usually when Everton concedes sloppy goals and whatever, <laughs> it's usually his fault. Um, but, yeah, no, Fulham were just eight, and Everton weren't that day. Yeah, it's odd that 7th, 8th, 9th and 11th all lost. It's, mm. it's almost like no one wants that Europa League spot. <laughs> yeah, basically. Although, it isn't the concern that the team that finishes in that spot won't get it? Well, only only if Watford beats Man City in the FA Cup final. Okay. Because I know there's a, there's the chances at the moment are looking like it could be likely for a Chelsea... I don't want to jinx it. A Chelsea-Arsenal Europa League final. Um, but obviously that gives them a Champions League spot. So I don't know what effect that has on the teams in that area d- as well. I d- I'm not sure it'll affect that uh, because the cup winners would automatically get it. I don't know. I mean, someone smarter than me will figure it out, but yeah. um, I think it'll be alright. Uh, that's all the Saturday's games, isn't it? Sorry, I am completely not with it at all. Uh, on to Sunday's games then. So, um, strangely, Man City being made to play uh, on on, sun- on the Sunday. I'm not sure. Sh- this has to be a Sky decision, really, because you'd think they're going well in Europe. You'd you know, they, I know they get, the game's Wednesday, isn't it? Man City's game. I can yeah. understand why the Liverpool Chelsea game was on Sunday because of Everton's, uh, Everton Chelsea's involvement in Europa League. But there's no real reason for Man City to be made to play on a Sunday morning when they've got a big European game in midweek. Um, 
but yeah, played away at Palace. It was a strong eleven from City. Um, I expected some rotation to be fair, but they they, they put out the big guns basically. Uh, Raheem Sterling hitting two in what was I say I haven't got many notes for this. I consider this a very below par performance from Man City again. Uh, they just did what they needed to do. Like they were never really in any danger. Um, they scored fairly early on. They could have had a couple more. Um, obviously, they then got the second goal. Palace had a 10-minute spell where they obviously got their goal from a free kick, and they never really looked. They never really had a spell where you thought, "Oh, they've got them pegged back here." And obviously, City just broke away and got the third one not long after the the goal. So it was very similar to um, their wins over. Cardiff and Fulham where they just did the bare minimum in second yeah. gear and won yeah basically I say um, the, the pass from Kevin De Bruyne for Sterling's first goal was fantastic and the finish from Sterling to be fair both of Sterling's finishes I was really impressed with considering I say as I've said multiple times his finishing at Liverpool at the end of his Liverpool career was absolutely shocking so it's really showing how much he has improved especially that, that first time finish for the second goal um the only negative, really, was a, there was a silly foul for the free kick that, uh, by Gundogan, or however you pronounce that. Uh, Milivojevic proved he can score from 18 yards as well as 12. Yeah, I mean, Edison probably wouldn't want to see that again, I would guess. But, you know, he, he's a dead ball expert, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Like, It's odd. I don't know how he... It's weird when you get players like that who... Are just basically shit houses, but they've got great ability on on dead balls. Yeah, basically. Um, but yeah, um, and potentially offside for the third goal scored by Gabriel Jesus and stuff like that. But say, I, I, I didn't, I didn't consider Palace to be in this game at all. And yeah, City very much going through the motions and coming away with a win. Um, on to the final game of the day, the big game of the weekend. The the excuse for a million Steven Gerrard clips have been shown on Sky this week. Uh, Liverpool at home to Chelsea, uh, coming towards the end of the title chase. So obviously, yeah, it was all about uh, the slip, ridiculously. Um, <laughs> Liverpool coming away two nil winners though. Um, this is first half was the longest first half of football I think I have ever watched. <laughs> I looked up and I thought, oh, it's got to be nearly full time now, but I don't remember there being a half time break and thirty eight minutes had gone. <laughs> Luckily, the second half improved slightly. Um, but yeah, goals from Mane and Salah in the, in the space of what two minutes? Um, so the Liverpool come out winners. Go on, Ali. Let's say for Just a really professional, patient performance. Um, one of our best this season, purely on the the opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, bar the maybe a five ten minute spell after Salah's goal, um, where Hazard had a shot saved and hit the post. And I thought we controlled the game, start to finish, what, like, defensively solid. Um, I thought the fullbacks were quite poor. Fabinho was just incredible again. Henderson, just when he plays further forward, he's just much more influential in the game. Yeah, it's a good, um, good ball for the uh, first goal. Yeah, very good. I mean, you mentioned Porto earlier on from the, the Champions League game, and he, he was arguably man of the match in that game. Um and he was really good today again. Yeah, he got man of the match in this game as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, Sky gave him uh, man of the match. I, I probably would have gave it to Fabinho today. I just thought he broke up everything pretty well. Um, even at the point, even when you were saying about him being so far forward, um, at one point, Cante broke and you know, he caught back up and 
dispossessed them and that. And the front three, you, you just, as you said a few weeks ago, you were, Salah was just waiting on that one thing to happen. He got his goal last week, and then with all the media surrounding him, um, with the with the Chelsea videos, I think kind of fired them up a bit. And that goal, <laughs> the net, was knocking somebody out in the stand. Um, yeah. That was that was flying, um, and as I said, and I watched that group earlier, and I, I'll say it again to everybody: Firmino may not be the best number nine in the world, but there genuinely isn't anybody I would swap him for in our team. Um, he's just pivotal, but pivotal to to everything good we do, um, yeah. and that includes defensively. I say he link, he just seems to link everything up, doesn't he? You say I I would never class him as a striker. For me, like we we spoke in the WhatsApp group about you said Kite as an attacking midfielder, and that's not the sort of player I think of when I think attacking midfielder. I think of like a player like Firmino, like the way he he's a playmaker. A lot goes through him and stuff like that. It's it's funny we tried to play Firmino like in behind. Um, I think it was the start of the season, and he and he's terrible there. It's it's strange, but when he plays up front and he drops deeper hmm. to do that role, he seems to be so influential. I mean, at one point today, he he ran back to the halfway line, intercepted a, a pass, tackled a player, and then you know set us off for another attack. Whilst Keita was still ahead of him, and obviously Salah and and Mane were further forward. Um, he's just he's so crucial to everything we do. Uh-huh. Um, and I mean, I think you mentioned him a few weeks ago as well, just about the way he played, and he was just just outstanding. I mean, Klopp, I slagged him off a few weeks ago in a way about his team selection and substitutions, but the last few weeks he's got everything down to a T. And even the substitution today came at the right time, and it was the right players as well, just to just to steady the game and, and see it off. Um, this was the game that obviously was the hardest you'd you'd imagine. In the running, so the the belief amongst fans, including myself, now is is right up there with thirteen mm-hmm. fourteen once we beat City. So um, it's an interesting four weeks coming up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so the the only real other, I've got much written down for this. I say Rudiger went off injured. Uh, I thought it was weird that Sky called him Tony Rudiger. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever called him Tony in his life. Uh, Sky best friends with Big Tone. Everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Salah diving again in the first half, though. What, yep. Why? Why? I, I, I don't understand it. He's such a good player, you know. I, I don't get why he does it, but you know, luckily he went on and scored an absolutely amazing goal um, to to win the game. Uh, but Chelsea, what is going on at Chelsea? Like when you asked Ryan to come on the show, uh, I, I kind of wish he'd said yes because I'd like to know what the hell is going on. How you, they didn't start with a striker. They bring Higuain on when they're two 0 down, you know, and and then to be fair, when Higuain came on, Hazard had a much better game, playing through the middle but cutting in from the left, which which is strange. But yeah, I say, so um, Hazard had two decent chances in a short period when the game was at two 0 um, to kind of pull them back for it. Uh, Allison made an absolutely fantastic save um, and stuff like that as well. Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask Ali is. So you said that the fullbacks weren't great today. I noticed at times, um, I think this is especially after Milner had come on, there's a lot of times when Trent Alexander-Arnold is out of position. <laughs> w- would he be better played more as a winger? No, definitely not. The, the, the rumour um, with the under-23s under team and under-18s, he's a centre midfielder. Okay. Um, he's a good passer I, of the ball. He's a really good yeah, passer of the ball. But- 
I struggle to see him in centre midfield purely on what you've just said. His positional sense isn't great. Mm-hmm. And if it's not great at right back, I don't understand how it can be that good in centre midfield because then you've obviously got more of the pitch yeah. that you need to be aware of. But, I mean, I suppose we've got to kick in his age, first full season, um, what he's achieved so far. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's not that he's the weak link, but I thought he was the weakest performer today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet he was still influential going forward. So yeah, yeah. it takes you to your point, obviously, where he's better further forward in the in the team. Because um, that's the thing. Both of your fullbacks bomb forward in a very similar way to the teams that play wing backs. If you know what I mean. So like a, a three man yes. defence with two wing backs slightly further forward. But Liverpool don't. They seem to play like a four four two. But Robertson can. Robertson will bomb forward, give the ball away, and race back again. Alexander Arnold doesn't seem to do that. He's kind of like, um, a bit like uh, Nathaniel Klein was, or... Um, Don't say that. Nobody's <laughs> or, or, or kind of like a Glenn Johnson, sorry. Uh, oh, come on. You know, I'd say he's a slightly <laughs> better Kieran Trippier. Uh, <laughs> but no, no, no. I, in, in fairness to, to both fullbacks, it's in our team, the way Klopp has us playing, it's a, probably a thankless task mm-hmm. to play fullback. I mean, Moreno took a lot of stick for this. Um Whilst obviously, probably not the best. I'm biased. I love Moreno, but you know, probably not the best left back. Um, whereas Robertson's, as you say, he'll bomb forward and ball back. But it's too easy to get caught out of position at all times because mm-hmm. we're such a such a transition team. You know, where it's yeah. it's such a and as soon as we counter and we counter quite quick, we are pressing and our fullbacks are expected to be right up there supporting Salah and Mane. Um, well, and Manny does such a great job tracking back to help Robertson, which gets Robertson out quite a lot. Whereas Rob- Trent, which I, I think that's where Klopp trusts Trent that wee bit more because he's got Salah who who doesn't always track back. Yeah. I mean, there was an example of it last week where he did it, but in general, Salah's kind of got that free role like Hazard. You know, he doesn't have to work; he's the the luxury player type. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, whilst I agree with what you're saying. I think we've also got to give him a bit of leeway because he has no help. Oh, he's, yeah. he's the one trusted to do it all himself, whereas Robertson, like even today, Milner came on, but he went over to the left side. Mm-hmm. So that's even more support for Robertson going up and down. Yeah. Because then Milner can drop into left back again, which is where he's accustomed to playing from last season, season before. Yeah, season before. Um, whereas I thought Milner was coming on today was to give. Trent a bit of support. Yeah, he did at times though, because there was a few times right at the end when I noticed that Milner had slipped in at right back, and I remember thinking, I'm sure Trent Alexander-Arnold's still on the pitch, uh, and then he, he, he just literally jog into frame, coming back into position um, and stuff. But to be fair, it, the way he's playing, I say he, he still looks good. He's very good going forward. He, he reminds me a little bit, and I hope, maybe it'll be the same for him of um, Bellerin. The way Bellerin likes to bomb forward and, and sometimes did used to get caught out of position quite a lot to the annoyance of, of Arsenal fans. But until he got injured this season, Bellerin was fantastic. His defensive side of the game has really improved this season. Um, so maybe we'll see something similar from from Alexander Arnold because, I say, he's a full England international. He's played in you know in, in major finals uh, and stuff like that as well. He, he looks like he could be a big asset, uh, and I think we it's easy to forget sometimes that these players are still quite young. Yeah, when you look at what he's already accomplished, I think we're also. I mean, our weakest centre back is also the right centre back um, by a by a long way. Mm-hmm. 
um, who also wanders a fair bit as well. So I think if we're looking at, which I'd like to think we are looking for a more, you know, sturdy, solid partner for for Van Dyke long term anyway, mm-hmm. that, that sort of stability coming in as well mm-hmm. can only improve yeah, definitely. the game because I, I, I believe Moreno would have got better playing beside Van Dyke. I mean, how it, it, if you're not improving beside a player like Van Dyke, then you probably shouldn't be playing, you know, top level football. Mm-hmm. So I think it can only help him going forward. As you say, he's still, I don't even know how old Trent is. He can't be 21, 22. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think he's older than 22, to be fair. Yeah. He's pretty long, pretty young. I mean, you're talking he's probably still got 15 years left. I mean, if he's still making the same mistakes at 25, 26, mm-hmm. then you'd maybe question it and yeah. start wondering where the, co- where the coaching is, whether it's the coaching, sorry, or whether it's the player's willingness to adapt, or maybe just the way Klopp's asking him to play. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't get... I mean, it, again, going back, it, might, it must just be a nightmare trying to play under such, like, openness. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, our, as you said, our defensive midfielders aren't defensive midfielders. Yeah, just, yeah. It, it's clear that Klopp wants his team to constantly be attacking. Because even at 2-0 up, Liverpool were pushing at Chelsea. And and yes, Chelsea were probably there for the taking because they're, they're terrible at the moment and what have you. But you think you're fighting for a title at 2-0... I was expecting Milner to come on straight away then, you know, and kind of just shut up shop and stuff like that because if they could have kept Hazard quiet till the end of the game, the Chelsea had absolutely nothing else. But they didn't. They still wanted more, which is it's a credit to them in a way, but they just have to be careful, I think. I'm not even sure if it's wanting more or it's just the way our team's set up mentally and physically, sitting in and waiting, you know, just stiff on attacks isn't there. And I think mistakes would be made more likely because the the concentration would be gone. Mm. Whereas they play at such a, I still agree with you. You know, maybe one defensive midfielder should still be sitting covering there. Mm-hmm. But I think they've just got that much faith in in players like Van Dijk and mm. Robertson getting back and and even Trent because obviously Trent's quite quick as well. Mm. I, th- I think that just the faith is there. Not that you want to be caught out far too often. We're quite fortunate it was against Chelsea and realistic we've kind of slagged them off all season because. They don't offer much. Mm-hmm. Um, Hazard puts in a good performance, one in ten games. Yeah, and it fortunately for us that happened last week. Mm. So it was very unlikely that he was going to turn up to the same level today. So um, I, I just, yeah, I mean, the way he plays has got us to the dance, and, and he's just never going to change it. Mm. Um, I thought he was very patient in the first half. Mm-hmm. The way we played, but while the intense, the intensity was still high, and it's high up the park because that's where we try to get the ball back and mm-hmm. transition the transition the play from defence into attack. So your final four games, I believe, are Cardiff, Huddersfield, uh, yeah. Burnley. I don't know who uh, the fourth one is. Newcastle, then Wolves. Ah, Newcastle. Okay. Oh, you got five, haven't you? No, not, not four. Not, not Burnley. Oh no, not Man City have got Burnley. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we've got. Cardiff next week, Cardiff the week after, then Newcastle, and then Wolves last game of the season. So you've got the easier running out, out of the two uh, clubs. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I still, I put in my Liverpool WhatsApp group. I, I reckon both teams win all the remaining games, um, and obviously we still lose the league due to that. But that's we finish on 97, 94 points, ninety seven points. Mm-hmm. 94 or 97 points, and we won't win the league. Uh, that, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, losing one game all season 
94 or 97, regardless, anything over 90 points and not winning the league. Um, there's there's not much more you could do. I, I mean, I'd find it hard to be upset in a way mm-hmm. because there's not much more. I, I would go back to fuming about those Leicester and, and West Ham and Everton draws sort of thing. Yeah. But again, you, you've just come up against such a ridiculously well-spent, well-coached, Man City team that they would have went, they would have won fourteen games in the bounce mm. um, at the end of the season. I mean, both teams' current form in the last five games are all wins. Yeah. You know, it's good text for both teams. It's just, it must be one of the most exciting teams, surely for even neutrals as well, or fascinating to watch. Um, and any any sort of recent time, um, it's just toe to toe without either team really playing great. Where it's thirteen yeah. fourteen, you feel like Liverpool were. You know, they were flying, they were incredible to watch. That's that's the only thing that takes the edge off it for me, is as you say, it, it's blow for blow. Every weekend, one plays before the other, first, second, first, second, swapping all the way through. But when you watch the games, neither team look like they're challenging for a title. <laughs> so yeah. it, it does kind of take the edge off. You're used to like these sorts of games where it, it's, it's that close, being hell for leather and whatever, but because... Because it isn't, it, it doesn't, for me, I don't know how it feels for you guys, Like it doesn't feel as as interesting, if you know what I mean. It's just like, oh, Man City are topped on Saturday, Liverpool will be top on Sunday, Man City will be top next Saturday morning. It's just like, they are literally just, it's like two boxers in a ring in the 12th round, just knackered, just literally hitting each other in the face. It would be better if... Uh... They play the same number of games. It's quite annoying when it's like, oh, Liverpool are going top again, but yeah, that, Man City yeah. have a game in hand. But you know, you can't have everything. Yeah. So. I don't think City even catch up with their game in hand um, for a few weeks yet. It'll be a week on Wednesday. Yeah. Man United. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, these. I think if City win against Spurs in the weekend, and then beat Man United on the Wednesday. I think we could probably safely say the title's theirs. Um, Potentially, but because they've got even, to improve a lot. You never know, like, they've got to play like, Leicester at home, which, yeah. all right, in normal circumstances, you think they'll win that easily, but mm. the way Man City play, you leave a bit of space in behind, Vardy nips in, you know, it's it's not a gimme. Yeah, Leicester yeah. aren't playing badly. Yeah, Bur- Bur- Burnley are playing well as well. Yeah, I yeah. think I, I would agree with both you guys if it had been earlier on in the season. Mm-hmm. I just feel... Teams go on holiday at the latter end. I mean, we're we just spoke about Liverpool's fixtures where you've got Cardiff who could be relegated by the time we play them. Real well, not relegated, but more or less if um, Brighton beat them. Um, then we've got Huddersfield. We've just spoke about how how pathetic they've been. Mm-hmm. We've got Newcastle who might not <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't fancy Raph putting up too much of a challenge. Um, I mean, I don't believe he's going to roll over, as we joke about, but I still don't believe he's going to set him up to put that much of a fight. Uh, we're very good at losing 1-0 heroically. But what, I mean... would, what would happen if, if Rafa's Newcastle beat Liverpool? It'd be one of those those great footballing ironies, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, I just don't see it. I really don't. He genuinely... I, I don't know. I, he must. This must be the worst game of his life. <laughs> yeah. Because... He's just one of those men I feel who's just very honourable as well. He, he loves, he, he seems to love what, apart from Chelsea, loves whatever club, you know, he runs. 
and, and he would literally die for them, I feel. Yeah. And this, this is the game where he's clearly still quite a big Liverpool fan. A very similar club to Newcastle in a way, the stature and, you know, like the values of the clubs. And I just think he's going to be in turmoil that whole week, just hoping City drop points before it. Yeah, because I was kind of hoping in this game, after seeing Salah dive in the in the first half, I was thinking, I don't want to see Liverpool win the league like that. I don't want to see Salah in the second half diving all over the place, winning penalties. Because without being controversial, Liverpool have had some decisions this season. You know, I, I, there's, there's been some strange I, goalkeeping errors. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. It's just coincidence, isn't it? I and, hope Salah dives 15 <laughs> times in the last <laughs> that, season and he that, gets every penalty to win the league. But that that's the thing, like, as a Liverpool fan, you're going to want that uh, and stuff like that. But you don't... Do, would you want to win the league with Rafa rolling over and literally, here's uh, the title, uh, boys. Fucking Lutley. You know... I'll, I'll take the league on Man City getting a points deduction <laughs> for, for breaking the... I don't give a monkey. I just want to win the league. And anybody that says otherwise, mm. then I, I, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah, it's just, uh, the, it's just the conversations that happen afterwards, if you know what I mean. Uh, like, oh yeah, Liverpool won the league last season. Doesn't change the record. Well, no, it doesn't change... You know, you're, you're completely <laughs> right, and I think I'd be exactly the same, you yeah. know, as an Arsenal fan and whatever. But, like, it just makes them conflict. Oh yeah, we won the league, but you only did it because of this, this, and this. Yeah. And that, those, I, I, those aren't the conversations I like to be yeah, part yeah, of. I when, hope, when, sorry, go on, Ollie. I, I'm saying, I just still hope Man City get the... Their thirteen fourteen title removed from them for financial fair play, and we get given that one. <laughs> um, I'm, cont- I'm content to take any title, and I'm not even ashamed to say it. Um, it. When Man City are bankrolled by Chris yeah. knows what, like you cannot really get vexed if you get a few decisions here and there to, to outdo them. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The only the only last point I have, right? So, so we spoke about it uh, a few minutes ago. Liverpool are if they don't win the league, and I I, I sway either way as to who I want to win the league by week to week. If Liverpool do win the league, um, or no, if Liverpool don't win the league, sorry, there's every chance they're going to finish with 90-plus points and not win the league. Could that have a negative impact on the club, thinking we've got more points than some teams who have won the league in the past and still it hasn't been enough? We, if we don't win the league this season, I will go as far to say we will never win the league in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I thought that after 13 14, you know, we weren't going to get a better chance. The amount of points we were clear in our hands. Um, but I mean, this to get that points total, as you say, Chris, would be it would be utter ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, that's. I don't know, I'd be curious, without doing research, I'd I'd be interested to know how many seasons in Premier League history that points total would win the league. I'd go as far to say most of them. I'd I'd say the same, bar maybe three. Uh, Man City's one, Chelsea's one, and possibly one United one. United are bound to have had one good season. there, there There was a Premier League season that Man United won with 79 points. Mm-hmm. I, I say 88 to 90 is about the average I think they worked out Yeah, you know and you could finish on what 98 no, it's, it's either 94 or 97 Yeah. So I'll say, if you reckon it's 98 I'll say it's probably I'm sure, I'm sure I've heard 98 somewhere well, you're, on, you're on 85 now and you've got 12 available so 97 points it'd be ridiculous it'd be absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and, and, and it's I know they're professional sportsmen but 
you would think, like, what do we have to do? Because, to be fair, this is a Man City team, right? Yes, they're, 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 they're a very good team. They haven't been at their best this season. They haven't been the sweeping attacking force they have been in the past. And they haven't. And they've challenged. In the, you know, they, they, they've gone deep in every tournament. They're in the <laughs> FA Cup final. They're still in the Champions League. You know, and you've got to think, what what have you got to do to take Man City down? And it could have a big psychological effect. Well, it's, it's, I find it amusing that people are still like, there's people who would rather City win the league than Liverpool, neutrals. I can understand from Man United fans and Everton fans, but I don't understand why anybody would celebrate Man City winning the league. Like, we know where they get their money from. We know the corrupt signings, FIFA dealings, financial fair play. Like, I just don't understand why anybody would celebrate them winning the league, apart from if they were to go on and win the quadruple. I could understand for that mm-hmm. sport and achievement, but how much of an achievement is it really? Yeah, no, it's true. They've, 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 Man City winning the league isn't a surprise. It's expected of them at the moment, so it is nice. As I say, my only, my only problem with Liverpool winning the league is that we would never fucking hear the end of it. But it, it would be a nice, it would be a nice change. Oh, I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm still in that. Can't believe it's quite happening yet. I mean, I was just wanting top four at the start of the season. So, um, I mean, I think the only person that can understand how I'm feeling just now is basically Ross. Um, <laughs> he's going through the same turmoil um, in his little league. Yeah, but James got 10 euros on that. I mean, can we take him a minute to think about that? Yeah, you know, Nor- Norwich, Norwich didn't win today, you know. Uh, is it 10 no is he not only going to win 10 euros is that what it is no well it's, I think it's 10 euros on a 12 to 1 oh right I thought it was 1 euro on 12 to 1 <laughs> to be fair that sounds that sounds familiar to be fair um, <laughs> I'm sure he'll mention it at some point um, but yeah so yeah that's it that's an, a, another Premier League week wrapped up uh, am I right in thinking there's Premier League games in midweek just one um Brighton and Cardiff for that game in hand. Uh, okay, because because it's Champions League this week as well, isn't it? It yeah. is, yeah. I was yeah. always under the impression that UEFA don't like the big leagues playing at the same time as the Champions League on, so it doesn't yeah. take take the um, the <laughs> focus off. But then, but then once you told me the fixture, I thought I can understand why they're all right with this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, don't know who either team are. Yeah, they probably not noticed it's a Premier League game. Um, oh. <laughs> It's like when Huddersfield play Brighton. <laughs> Everybody thinks it's just a training session <laughs> between the first team and under 23s. Oh, yeah, excellent. I say, but yeah, we're definitely getting down to the nitty gritty now. Uh, who Liverpool got next week? Is it? Uh, Cardiff. Oh, so, oh yes. Yeah, it, it, it could be a very tricky game in I, a way. Expect a couple I, of penalties and offside goals in your favour because that's uh, what the FA like to do to Neil Warnock. I hope so. Just for his reaction. Did you see? He came out um, yesterday. Was it yesterday? Cardiff played. Yeah, yeah so they've got to go out and beat Liverpool, but it's okay because he's got a good record against Liverpool. Uh, he's won two games in twenty-eight years. That's a good record for Neil Warnock <laughs> against any club. Yeah. He's, he's doing well. Say what, mind? I would not want to be around if uh, Neil Warnock cost you the league. Like oh, <laughs> oh, I, I can He'd love it. He would love it. If, if Cardiff beat us next weekend, I will not be on the show. I will have left the podcast group. And I will just say bye bye now. There'll be nothing on the show ever again. Like that's like the end of footballing. Oh, oh, oh let's, not, might... let, let's not talk of things like that. That's, Adam, that's Adam will be in his element if that was to happen. <laughs> oh dear. Right, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. 
Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Hope you were. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go and die now. It's fine. So I might not be here next week either. Um, especially, especially, well, I've got to put up with fucking Mr. Potato Face himself playing against us tomorrow night, haven't I? Oh, God, I hate Troy Deeney so much. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking, it's Arsenal-Watford tomorrow, and it's fucking Troy Deeney. Just, oh, I just really hate that man. But it's the type of game he loves, though, because it's, oh. your, it's your it's your piss week send halves, and he can bully them. So yeah, and there's talk of him being back in the England team to replace Harry Kane. I'm just hang like, on, hang on. Fuck back you. in the England team? Like, well, <laughs> hasn't he? I oh, know he's never represented England. I say that's right because he's a fucking potato. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, so yeah. That's our opinion. I like Troy Deeney. Ali a... won't be on the podcast next weekend, <laughs> and I'll be, a... I'll be wearing my fucking Cardiff shirt. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, have you seen a couple of the other defenders you might improve well signing any defenders would be an improvement for us <laughs> to be fair uh, right gentlemen John Lovren uh, who or yeah I, I, well he, can have him he's better than Mustafi isn't he? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no. oh, he, he stays on his feet that's, that's the thing yeah. uh, right gentlemen Ali please pimp your social stuffs just Ali Thompson 84 on Twitter, where you may find a, a hyperactive or suicidal man <laughs> next Saturday uh, after we play Cardiff. So, send, um, send thanks for pictures, that, guys. Sending pictures of uh, Neil Warnock dancing. Uh, <laughs> and Dave? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, at CM9798 on Twitter. And you can find the show uh, at Man on the Post on Twitter. You can check out our Dream Fiverside teams, which I believe is doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, I bet you wouldn't be able to guess who picked Alex Iwobi in theirs. Unbelievable. Um, well, the, Alex Iwobi is a good player, and he, no, he is not. His close control would be perfect for Fiverside. Well, let's put Adam Lallana in there as well. Then he, he would, be, yeah, yeah, Adam Lallana. Adam Lallana. I forgot about him. Actually, he'd be brilliant because he has a five-a-side pitch in his garden, doesn't he? Yeah, but you know, can do Ross pick fucking Lukaku for fuck's sake. <laughs> if if Lukaku took a touch on his own goal line, he wouldn't get the ball under control by the other goal line. That's a great first-time shot, though. <laughs> Oh god, that was ridiculous! But yeah, the, the, the controversy this has caused in our group, by the way, has been <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> it was like it was me and Ryan. I think we just forgot every player that ever existed. Yeah, Ryan, the the, the hardcore Chelsea fan, forgets Hazard. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably the player in the Premier League who's most suited to five side. Oh yeah, you can tell exactly how much I got it because Ross explained the rules, and I went and picked fucking Zinedine Zidane, and he's like, he's not currently playing. Didn't you go first as well? And yeah, not I went. Messi. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Lionel Messi anyway. So I didn't. I don't either. But it's about winning. <laughs> well, I, I, I stole um, Chris's pick of Edison, didn't I? I? Tried to tried to be clever. <laughs> Look where it got me, Alex. I'm, still, I'm quite happy with my team. It'll be announced soon when Chris puts the poll up for them. Yeah, they're putting the rest of them out, aren't they? So yeah, that'd be quite interesting. Keep a lookout for those. Uh, and that is it now. Thank you both again for joining me, gentlemen. And that's the end of the show. Always remember to keep your man on the post. Yeah.